oh man this is this is really exciting this is my this is my uh this i've seriously i've been looking forward to this show like you know for a whole year since we did this last year i'm really i, I you look kind of, you you look kind of tired uh, are you all right, Andres? Yeah, and my name is Andres Lorente. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> what, what? I was hoping for a little bit more energy for this show. What's happened? I, I did what you said. I, I just spent the last four days watching every film we watched this year, preparing for this. <laughs> it's like I haven't slept in four days. You were ju- you were just supposed to think about the films, not watch the films. What? Now you tell me. <laughs> now you tell me. Oh, and you've just watched Killers of the Flower Moon again. Mm-hmm. Um, right, let's, 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 um, let's, let's wake yeah. you up. We'll get yeah. you a coffee. Uh, we'll get Good. our tux on uh, and we will do Film of the Year. Oh, my God, this is exciting. I've been waiting for this. Oh, you didn't you say I felt like I dreamed it. Like you were saying something about how you were waiting all year for this. I've been waiting all year for this. If I were a cleverer man, I would have done a count up. How many films? How many? So we've seen 23 pairings, I think, this year. Something like that, probably. So yeah. There's 23 new films, 23 old films. Um, so why don't we start at the top? As a general rule, the old film is better than the new film there have been there have been there have been examples when it's been the other way around on the average Um, pairing though we we do find that often that's uh, our tastes of course this is not uh, an objective process it's very subjective but yeah i think in general we find that the older films fare better so we'll go we'll go straight to the top what so uh just a quick recap yeah film of the year show um we have each brought some nominations mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. seven different categories, but but neither of us knows what film the other has nominated. Ooh. And you, dear listener, will have to listen to us literally debate in your own ears which film we are going to give the uh, the award to. Yeah. So, uh, starting with our first award of the night, here's the envelope. Mm. What, out of all the films we've seen for the pod this year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was the best film not released this year. What have you got? Uh, this I found this to be a tough category, maybe the toughest. There were so many good ones to choose from. Three stood out. So oh, I yes. I should present, I'll present these as my nominations. Your might be a little different. Um, for me, the top three were Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Okay, yes. Grizzly Man. Boy, I think I, I watched that twice. In pre- preparation for the podcast, I watched that one twice, which never happens. Um, and then finally, well, when I talk about high stakes, big stars, big director, Max von Zito and honest toupees, you know that I'm talking about Three Days of the Condor. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, incredibly... Um, I loved all three of those films, and none of them appear on my list of nominations. Um, I've, uh, I have, with well, like you, watched so many great films this year. I put yes. four in my envelope. Oh, oh my, my goodness, we're going to have to debate between seven different films. Um, uh, first of my nominations is Once Upon a Time in the West. Yep. 
I had never seen a Sergio Leone movie, and now I want to see them all. Okay. Uh, second on my list, Barry Lyndon. Yeah. Uh, which I still uh, uh, are going to put forward as uh, the most beautiful film ever made. Ooh, wow. Um, third on my list uh, was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, and I know you find it comic-y and cheesy, <laughs> and I think that is the point. Um, and finally, I can't believe that you haven't mentioned, because we both watched for the first time what is literally, provably, yes. the best film <laughs> ever made, Jean Delman, uh, 23 Cailles du Commerce. It was great. It's the it's the best of all time, but it's just not the best not released this year. Um, or is it? Out of those seven films, how are we possibly going to give uh, plaudits to only one? Okay. If you had to narrow your list down to one, which one were you going to choose? I think I, I, I think because it's such a kind of an epic from the 70s, the golden age of, of these kinds of films, I've got to go with Three Days of the Condor. It's not necessarily my favorite, but I think it was the best one. Um, because of all those things about, you know, like you get Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway and Max von Sydow and political elements and a great director in Sidney Pollock. I just felt like it has to be that one, but I could go with any one of the three. Uh, it's pleasingly political and pleasingly still applicable, mm-hmm. uh, the sentiments and the the story of Three Days of the Condor. Yeah. Um, it's one of those pre-internet thrillers yeah. um, that would probably still work in the days of the internet. You, you'd need to change some of the details, but actually that kind of paranoia and double-crossing, that still works just as well, whether yeah. you have a smartphone or not. Um, lots to enjoy in Three Days of the Condor. Um Absolutely. And one of the finest toupees um, we have seen all year. It's difficult to argue with that. I am going to put it up then against Once Upon a Time in the West, simply because uh, I never found um, Charles Bronson a particularly interesting actor until I saw him in Once Upon a Time in the West. Sergio Leone's camera loves him and now I do as well. (laughs) If ever there were a film that were made for wider than widescreen, yeah. It's once upon a time in the West. Um, you know, I don't think it I don't think it deserves to be seen in scope. There should be something wider than scope with a ratio of like six or seven to one, something like yeah. that. If if I see Once <laughs> Upon a Time in the West, I want it to go all the way around my head, yeah. I think. So <laughs> wide uh, is that film. Uh I'm gonna have to arm wrestle you for it. Uh which which are we gonna give the prize to? I think it should be a, a, a gunfight, honestly. Um <laughs> I gotta go with Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, I've won you over to my side. It's an epic. I won't forget you for this. Film, best film not released this year, Once Upon a Time in the West. What an epic tale yeah. of betrayal. Uh, what an epic piece of camera work. Mm. What an epic example of post-sync dialogue. So yeah. much to enjoy. <laughs> um, I want to see the whole thing again, Once Upon a Time in the West, Sergio Leone. Um, uh, so let's talk about our second award, Scene Ooh. of the Year. Yeah. Um, so I know we said the same thing last year. Uh, we were both at film school together and at film school, one of the precepts that we were taught was that uh, that screenwriters uh, think in terms of character and story, but directors think in terms of scenes. Mm. The scene is the unit of work yeah. uh, for a film director. And uh, we have seen some great scenes uh, in this year's films. Uh Shall I go first with my list? Yes, you have to, really. I'm sorry to say it's a, it's a short list of four once again. Oh I'm going to make you fight hard and long for okay. your scenes. Um, 
I am going to nominate uh, Napoleon, mm-hmm. although there was plenty that we didn't like about that film. That central uh, sequence, oh, the yeah. Battle of Austerlitz, mm-hmm. is a pretty remarkable piece of filmmaking. Yeah. You know, I don't know whether people will still be watching Napoleon in 50 years' time, but they may be watching that sequence mm-hmm. of the Battle of Austerlitz because it's uh, a remarkable set of images. And it shows that Ridley Scott still knows you know, where to put the camera and how to do it. Um, so that came top of my list. Um very different, although still featuring four-legged friends, the closing scene of EO, the donkey film that we saw quite earlier on in the film, where after going on all of his adventures, he ends up in the queue for the abattoir. Um, I found mm. that film, the, the, that scene, uh, tremendously memorable. It's the only scene that we have seen all year, which made me literally uh, cry out loud uh, when it came up on screen. Mm. Uh, I, I you know, shouted out, no. Uh, uh, at the screen when it came on, um, and it's you know it's not often to, that you're moved by a modern film quite as uh, quite as uh, momentously as that. Can you be moved momentously? Is that a tautology? I think maybe I'll come back and digitally edit that out later on. Um, <laughs> the, move, my move. third suggestion: um, the bomb test sequence in Oppenheimer. Yeah. Another yeah. Uh, epic. Uh, overlong, rather overhyped historical uh, film with one impressive sequence at its heart. Uh, I think that Bomb Test is the reason why the whole film exists, yeah. uh, Oppenheimer. You know, and it's a very skillful little bit of filmmaking. It's just a shame about all the white men arguing in small rooms on either side of that sequence. Yeah. And then finally, I'm going to hark back to last week's film. We watched The Holdovers. Yeah. Um, and uh, there were lots of memorable scenes uh, in the holdovers. But the one I am going to single out uh, is a silent scene. Uh, Mary Lamb, who is the cook who has lost her son to the Vietnam War, um, goes to visit her, I think, is it her sister? Her sister, yeah. A sister pregnant in sister, Boston. Yeah. And the sister is pregnant, exactly. And she goes back to her childhood bedroom and she has some, some little baby shoes that her son wore and she just takes them out of a box and looks at him um, and she doesn't say anything because the scene tells you everything you need to know yeah. and then the sister who is pregnant comes in uh, from behind her and gives her a hug yeah. and just this kind of this one simple silent scene expressed so much and expressed it so well it's a beautifully made beautifully written beautifully conceived little scene um uh, reminded me a little bit of the scene that we nominated last year uh, from uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, where you have a little oh. moment of quiet calm yeah. uh, in between all the chaos. Um, yeah. I think it has that flavour. What, what have you got on your list? That's Tell nice. Me. And I was going to say that that scene also is set up really well. Like There's a lot invested in the box, even before we see her leaving for Boston, that there's something in that yeah. box. It's a hat box, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and then Angus has to carry it with care and help her up the stairs. So there's a lot invested in it, so you know that's going to be meaningful when she opens that box. So good filmmaking. Um, for me, I only have two. Okay. Um, this is my honorable mention. I'll start with that. Um, I love the, I call it a bro-splaining song in <laughs> Barbie where Ryan Gosling emotes and strums his guitar around a beachy bonfire with more and more Kens. Um, they're, and they're all emoting their, their, their inmost thoughts and feelings to their Barbie girlfriends. And I just found it hilarious and it really... Um, kind of summed up that whole film in one moment to me. I thought it was great. Um, 
But my actual winner is the breadless bread scene in the menu. Uh, oh. In part, Ray Fiennes is so good. He's explaining the history of bread as the, the food of the common folk, uh, and he refuses it to refuses to serve it to his well, elite and wealthy uh, guests at the restaurant. And um, they go on to, you know, they're, they're amazed by his decision. Some of them are incredulous, and others are really uh, impressed by it. And they talk about his genius, and they also, but the, the food critic qu- uh, criticizes the quality of the emulsion and some of the little dips that he's left <laughs> with no bread. Um, and I noticed, it, I went back and watched it, and he's actually framed as if wearing this tricorn hat. He looks a little bit like um, Napoleon in the scene as well as he's berating <laughs> them. And it's... Ray Fiennes is just so good in that role. He's so good in that scene. So for me, that really stood out as the one scene uh, that I thought was the best in of the year, really. Because I, I think oh. it was, yeah, I thought it was it was intellectual, it was visual, it was um, uh, just very strong. It was a very strong statement kind of scene, and uh, worked on so many different levels. So those are my two. I don't know if you can come over to my side. I really, in hindsight. Eo's not a film film that I was a fan of, but um, that was kind of the appropriate ending, and he's running into the line of all these other animals that are going off to slaughter. So, if anything, I would, you know, of your scenes, that would be my favorite of uh, those. But the also, the, you know, I think the the you're right about the baby shoes in uh, the holdovers. That is a very nice moment. So, I'm I'm giving you a little bit of space either to come over and join me, or I'm willing to come over to your side. I I, I do love a compromise. But <laughs> although although the bread scene uh, in the menu you know, does contain probably the funniest gag in the film, and it's certainly I think probably the most memorable single moment in the film, probably yeah. the most skillfully written moment in the film. Yeah. I don't think it, I I would feel a little bit cheap coming over to your side yeah. um, when I think my nominations carry a little bit more emotional heft. Okay. So I'm going to stick my stake in the ground and I'm going to hang my hat on uh, on the baby shoes and the holdovers. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to come over and join me because <laughs> if I don't, I'm just going to cry at that scene again, I yeah. think. Oh, yeah, for the children, for the lost son <laughs> and the newborn baby. Yeah, how can I, how can I, I'm not, I'm not even going to be that person. I'm no Scrooge here. I'm not going to put up a fight. That's a beautiful moment. <laughs> Shall we move on to actor of the year? Yes. I only have... One nomination. That's how clear this one was to me. Um, Really, 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 as in reality, as in Sidney Sweeney playing a reality winner in the film. Uh, Reality. It's that simple. Sidney Sweeney is not an actor who with whose work I was at all familiar before seeing her in reality. Mm. And since then, I've seen a crop up in a few things... um, and uh, I, I just, she's in like a Rolling Stones video at the moment. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and she's kind of doing a, a bunch of other um, movies. I think she's in a kind of, a, I think, a DC superhero movie coming out in the fairly near future. Or maybe it might, or it might be a Marvel Sony mm-hmm. movie, I think. And is she in Madame Web? Um, she's kind of diversifying. She's doing a bunch of stuff. Um, and... Uh, most of the material that I've seen her in, um, I think uh, the, the films that she is in seem very keen to demonstrate that she has a fantastic figure and that's the only thing they're yeah. going to concentrate on. Yeah. Um, and I think in reality, um, she does a truly fantastic job. Um, 
with some remarkable material. Uh, she utterly rises to it. I've put three nominations on my Actor of the Year list. Okay. I'm going to tell you what they are. And I think yeah. by the time I get to the end of my list, you will know who I'm going to suggest we give the award to. Okay. I have nominated Paul Giamatti mm, uh, yeah. for The Holdovers because he's terrific actor, terrific performance, terrific role, so watchable in that film. Um, but yeah, it's not a terribly surprising nomination. Anybody who's seen that film will know how watchable he is. Yeah. For my second nomination, I've nominated... Dominic Sessa oh, in yeah. The Holdovers. Wow. Um, first movie this kid has ever been in, and uh, he's utterly knocked it. Uh, oh, I'm going to say knocked it out of the park. How, yeah. can I, how can I say that when I'm placing a call to the cliche squad every week? <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to shot myself in and spend a night in the cell just for saying that. Um, but uh, he comes to the screen with so much yeah. um, confidence and charisma. Um, I you know, have little doubt that we'll be seeing plenty of him over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Mm. Um, uh, what a performance. What a performer. Uh, my third nomination for Act of the Year is Sidney Sweeney for Reality, oh, yeah. um, uh, who, yes, just knocked my socks off. Uh, fantastic um, performance in a film which is about so much. Uh, uh, especially in a film which takes its script from something so very specific. How can you take an utterly specific yeah. dialogue between real people yeah. and turn it into a story which encompasses so much? Yeah. Um, I think the way you do it is through an outstanding performance. I agree with you. I think your nomination is the right one. We should give it to Sidney Sweeney. Yeah, good. Oh, that was easy. Um, absolutely. I hope maybe she gets... Uh, more serious roles where uh, she can keep her clothes on. Yeah. Which is not to sound puritanical. And if she wants to take her clothes off, good for her. Yeah. Fantastic. But um, but uh, you don't need to. Um, well, this is great. There, in which case, it means that I get to announce the award oh. for Clunker of the Year. Lucky you. Well, have, have, have we seen any clunkers this year? Oh, God, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh I would say I think we've probably seen more clunkers this year than than last year. I think maybe I don't know. My memory doesn't serve. I know that I have four potential um, nominations. So, so I so I've only got two of my list, okay. but I think it's because I was feeling pretty charitable when I came down to it. <laughs> um, I don't think there's anything which has been quite such a barefaced, obvious clunker as uh, Jurassic World oh. colon. Dominion, colon, Empire, colon, what's going on here, oh, uh, which we gave the award to last year, which was yeah. uh, truly an, uh, a, a clunker of astonishing proportions. That was easy, yeah. <laughs> uh, shall, I, shall I give you my noms first? I've only put yes. two in my list. Okay. Um, and I don't know whether you will agree with them or not. Uh, first on my list, I'm sorry to say, um, and not everyone will agree with this, but mm. I think it is a clunker, is Oppenheimer. Mm. Uh, and... I know people will tell you, well, you know, how can how can a, a three hour biopic make more than eight hundred million dollars at the box office, something like that? Yeah. Um, if it was a clunker, but I'm afraid I came away from Oppenheimer impressed by that middle fifteen minute sequence, yeah. but uh, terribly bored and disappointed by the rest of the film that is hanging around it. I think. Yeah. That. I think there is a fascinating story to tell about the life of Robert Oppenheimer, but I don't think we've seen it yet because it's not this film. No, it's not. Um, my other nomination, uh, a little bit more obvious of a clunker, uh, the tremendously clunky, rather embarrassing cocaine bear, mm. uh, where I think you know the, the very funniest bit of the film uh, is the title 
yeah. and everything else after that is kind of a bit of a disappointment. Yes. Um, and I'm guessing that most of the people involved in that film feel about as embarrassed about it as I do. Mm. Well, Cocaine Bear is one of my dishonorable mentions for sure. <laughs> um, it just seemed so easy to make a better film and it didn't happen. So that's definitely a clunker. <laughs> um, another under the radar clunker. I thought EO was a clunker in part because it was oh. ju- it was just heralded as this um, great art film and I just never really enjoyed it. So I got a couple lower level clunkers there, but I really think for a clunker to really clunk, it's got to be a big film. <laughs> they I need to spend a lot of money to make exactly. the loudest noise. Exactly. Yes. So I've got two bigger films that I think are clunkers. I thought The Killer was a clunker. Okay. Um, yeah, I can kind, see where you're coming from. I'm glad for David Fincher and everyone else's sake that it didn't really ever go to a theater as far as I could tell. I didn't do much business <laughs> in one because it was a, it was a sort of an under-the-radar clunker as a result. Um, but I think there's this one film that it's really – it's even bigger and it's my duty to proclaim what a piece of crap this film was. So I think I need to give the, the biggest clunker of the year um, to a film that a lot of critics have hoodwinked audiences by saying it's good. And that film is Oppenheimer. (laughs) I loathed that film quite intensely. So I would love to agree with you on that one, if I may, and say that that is without question the clunker of the year. I agree. Sadly so. Um, The uh, the reason that I am glad that we watched Oppenheimer is because – you taught me all about the Hollywood technique for tying up a horse after watching Oppenheimer. <laughs> I think it was it was worth sitting through that three-hour clunker yeah. in order to enjoy that gag. But apart <laughs> from that, uh, not much to be said for it, absolutely. Sadly, the yeah, uh, bums on seats, uh, yeah. but clunker of the year for us. Yeah, and I, lo- I love the point you're making that a film that's practically made a billion dollars on this podcast is the clunker of the year. We're doing good work. <laughs> Yeoman's work here. Do I get that? That means, yeah. you know what you get now. Pardon me? Oh, no, I cut you off. Oh. Uh, like, like all the very best award show hosts. What were you going to say? I was just going to say to that, does that bring us to best script? But I don't want to move on. It does. I don't want to move on if you're not ready to. See, you know, if we had written a script for this show, then that would have been an awful lot more slick, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, this one, I'm I'm a little... I'm going to give you two options, and you're probably not going to agree with either one of them. Um, <laughs> oh, I like this already. It's funny, because my preferred film, I put down as my lesser nomination. I, I really want to give this Best Script Award to The Menu. Oh! Uh, in part because I think it really has a lot to say about life and the world, but it also is just a really, like, a very refreshing, very... Uh, unique and original film. And I think a lot of that is just in the script directly. And I think, uh, obviously, it's also a really well-directed di- script, too. So I think it's Mark Millard really knows what to do with a with a good script, I think. So I'm going to say that that's really my preferred one. But I also really liked BlackBerry. Oh, wow. Okay, great. Like that was a, a rare example of someone taking what really could have been a super mundane story, and they've turned it into just this little gem that got made... Um, you know, in terms, it was a smart script in terms of the writing. It was not an expensive film to make, I doubt, anyway. Those writers had to write cheap. That's not easy to do, especially when you want to make a really good film, but it's exactly what happened. So um, The Menu is my preferred choice. Blackberry, I thought, though, was actually a really, really good script. 
Uh, see, I have made um, three nominations, and I think they're a little bit more predictable and boring than your interesting okay. ones. Insofar as I also have put Blackberry down as my second choice. Oh. Um, I yeah went into that film with low expectations, yeah. and it turned out to be you know smart, clever, mm-hmm. snappy. Fast-moving, pacey, plenty to enjoy, with a real point, uh, nicely drawn characters, um, just hit the tone right. It was an impressive script and an impressive uh, film. As I think you said maybe last week, maybe it was this week, um, if you've got a good script and if you've got good actors, mm-hmm. you've got a chance of making something good. Yeah. And that's just what we saw with Blackberry. Yeah. My other two nominations... Uh, uh, probably a little bit more boring and stayed. The Holdovers. Yeah. Um, because you know it's uh, you know a lovely script, maybe a little bit too pat, um, but plenty of opportunities for three great actors to riff off each other and yeah. give us a lot to enjoy and plenty of memorable moments. And then my other best script nomination, uh, a script which is adapted pretty closely from a book, Women Talking. Oh yeah, very play like, largely yeah. just people sitting around in a room uh, uh, talking, and you know that doesn't necessarily mean uh, the best script. Uh, but in this case, I think covered a lot of ground. It drew appropriately from the book that it was based on um, and ended up with, um, you know, a proper, tense, uh, well-structured two-hour story. Mm-hmm. Oh, out of all those, you know, and this is kind of the award that's closest to our hearts. Okay, well, I'm prepared to, I'm prepared to sacrifice the holdovers uh, because it's the obvious choice. And I'm prepared to sacrifice women talking because it does owe an awful lot. Good script, though, it is to the book that it comes from. Um, I'm, I'm going to cling on to Blackberry and I'm going to ask you to persuade me a little bit harder why I should give it to the menu mm. over that film. Um, I'm perfectly ready to settle on Blackberry with you. Um, <laughs> Menu, I think, again, it's just very original. I don't think we saw anything nearly as uh, daring or unique uh, in the entire uh, year. Um, I thought there was great dialogue. I thought that, like, each scene was set up really well, things built on uh, one another um, really, really well. So I, I just think it's great. For me, it's, it, the other thing is this is my kind of film. That, it's that dark comedy that has some real political uh, undercurrents running through it. I just loved it. But having said that, again, Blackberry was a fantastic little film, and it's just it's a this little miracle, I think. So I think that has... It probably... Probably the script has more to do with the success of that film than the menu would have... The menu script would have to do with the success of its film because you had bigger stars in the menu. You've got a more established director in... Uh, the menu. So I, I would say that um, I think Blackberry, you've got to just assume that that script really held that film together in a way that the menu didn't have to. So I'm also just, I'm impressed by how they took something as mundane as the, the development of the Blackberry and <laughs> turned it into a, a really interesting film. So I think we can say the Blackberry. I'm okay with that. Okay. Let's go, let's go with Blackberry. Then. Yeah. If, if there's, yeah, if there's any phrase that will capture my heart, it's mini miracle. <laughs> yeah. When, when all the, when all those, Little elements come together, and you get something that's you know really a little bit magical. Yeah, and that's when you know it's. Yeah, it's and I think I mean I think the holdovers is definitely up there as well. The only thing that I found about the holdovers is it didn't seem super original to me in the way that those other two films were. Those yep. are, those are two films I've never seen before. I'd never seen anything really like them. Whereas the holdovers, as great as it is, 
there's not tons of new material there. Yeah. Yep. Skillful writing is great, but originality, that's something genuinely to be praised I, I, and celebrated. I agree. Absolutely. Exactly. Blackberry it is. All right. Uh, which brings us to the most exciting award of the year. Oh, yeah. I'm thrilled to be holding the envelope, which will decide which film contained best hat of the year. Uh, and it's been, a, it's, I'm so excited about this award. I even wrote a little spiel. It's been a big year for hats. Mm. I wrote in my notebook. Um, we've had the return of Indiana Jones, yeah, 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 who has like the most famous hat in cinema, yeah. maybe. We had Oppenheimer, and okay, the film wasn't great, but the hat was nice. Oof, um, we had Barbie's Pink Stetson, mm. and you know how personally attached I am to that hat. You look good in the one, do you? <laughs> we even had um, Keith Gill's beanie hat in Dumb Money. It's been it's oh, been yeah. just wall to wall hats. Yeah. Uh, in 2023, who would have guessed it would be the year of the hat? Yeah, I know. But it has been. Uh, do you have any nominations for what you think must surely be best hat of the year? I have just one. Oh, it's um, and I feel good about this. This is making me feel good because I hated this movie so passionately. <laughs> The hat in Oppenheimer, it's really the best part of the film. <laughs> or is it the only good part of the film? I don't, it doesn't matter, right? Um, Oppenheimer's hat, great. And Cillian Murphy looks great in it too. So I'm going he with that. He does. Yeah. Yeah, that boy can wear a hat. Absolutely. I have two slightly different nominations <laughs> okay. insofar as I have, I have Napoleon. Yeah. Which had not only a spectacular hat, but thousands of yeah. them. There were a lot oh, of hats yeah. in that film. That's Seriously, heavy. if you... If you are a hat guy, that mm-hmm. was your yeah, it was your picture this year. Yep. Uh, and we got to enjoy uh, uh, Napoleon having a little hole blown in his hat in the in mm-hmm. the like the climax of the film. Yeah. Uh, which felt a little bit like a metaphor for the whole film. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm not sure that Napoleon can quite compare uh, to the hat worn by the main character in David Fincher's The Killer. Oh yeah. Um, because. If that wasn't an ugly hat, I don't know what an ugly hat is. <laughs> and the fact that that was that, that was the basis uh, of his gag about his disguise being an outfit worn by a German tourist German he'd tourist. once seen. That was the one moment that keyed me into the notion that this film is actually a comedy, albeit a comedy which is not funny. Yes, I didn't. I didn't chuckle a lot, but I think it is a comedy, and I think the hat is the key to the comedy. Yeah. Um, I I'm going to argue that Oppenheimer has already had uh, one 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 award in this list, and I don't think it deserves oh. to, to put on its put on its uh, a DVD release. Uh, I don't want it to put on the Blu-ray winner of two awards at the yeah. Two Real Cinema Club. Fair enough. So I'm going to I'm going to uh, ask you to come over to my side and yeah. vote for the killer. Killers, yeah, that is definitely a great hat. We grew up with a bunch of those. We had a lot of those hats at at at, at our house growing up. They're terrible. They're terrible. It's not really sure. It's not clear. I guess it's a sun hat. That's. But I think it's a sun hat specifically for someone who doesn't have a lot of hair, because it's there's not a lot of visor to it. <laughs> it is a ridiculous hat. Um, but in terms of sunscreen and protection, I I can I can embrace that. I'd lean a little bit more towards um, Napoleon's hat though, especially the one he's wearing at the. It's kind of the classic one, but it's extra special when he's meeting um, Josephine at that first party. I think it looks just fantastic. So. I prefer the Napoleon hat, but I'm willing to come over to the. the let's, no, let's go with Napoleon then. You, you've you've persuaded me. Yeah, it's. A, I, I haven't compromised much this year, so I, so I will I will join you for Napoleon. It's a work of art. That hat is. I mean, whereas the German tourist hat is. There's nothing artful about it, but uh, the Napoleon hat is a thing of beauty. <laughs> does that take us to the big moment? I think it does. 
Film of the year. Film of the year. I I have an envelope here, and there is only one title here, so I felt pretty strongly about this one. Um, Okay, well, interesting. I have an envelope. I have two titles, but uh, one of them is written in thicker ink than the other. Uh, I'm interested to know what you've got in your envelope then, yeah. Um, What kind of envelope are you holding? Oh! Is it over your head or (laughs) under your head? (laughs) Tell me more about your nomination for Film of the Year. Well, I'm very excited about seeing Maestro, which we're going to see after uh, this awards ceremony, so... Um, I'm hoping that's good, but I really loved finishing the year this year with a film called The Holdovers, Alexander Payne's uh, recent film. I just felt like it hit all the the right notes. It was really well um, written. It's really well directed. It's really real, well acted. So it just has this, this, this gravitas about it, even though it's got these wonderfully ridiculous comic scenes in there, whereas The Killer was a comedy that wasn't funny. <laughs> the Holdovers is basically a comedy and a drama. That's the what they call the dramedy these days. And it is funny and it is uh, thoughtful and wonderful. It's really just a, everything I like in a film. So I'm going to say The Holdovers. And I didn't give you any other options to to debate me on. So I'm hoping Holdovers is in that envelope of yours. Well, so I have got two, fil- two films uh, in my envelope. Uh, and one of them is The Holdovers. You're absolutely right. Um, The Holdovers, in a way, kind of feels a little bit almost like a film that was made for me Mm, or maybe a film that was made for us. It feels like it hits so many of our touchstones. There's something just just a little bit, um, I'm not going to say perfect, but classical about its shape and its um, structure and its tone. Um, When I look through the two columns of films that we've watched this year, the new films and the old films, I often try to imagine, well, could any of those films on the left-hand column, Mm -hmm. the new films, could any of them happily sit in that right-hand column of, you know, the the genuine classics, the films which have stood the test of time, someone called the cliché squad again. Um, And, you know, of all of those films, maybe The Holdovers is the one film above all which people could still quite believably be watching and enjoying and laughing at and crying over in 40 years time. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many years it is uh, since Sideways came out. It's, is it about 20? It's 19 years, I think, or 20 years? Yeah, I'm going to say 2003, 4, 5, somewhere in there. So at least 18. Yeah, yeah we are close to 20 yeah. years. And um, I can easily imagine putting the, the um, Sideways in. Uh, over the weekend and enjoying it just as much as the first time around. I rather suspect that in 20 years' time, you and I could settle down on the Two Real Cinema Club sofa and watch the holdovers and enjoy it as much this time, you know, 20 years' time as we did two weeks ago. Absolutely. um, Yeah, absolutely. I think the holdovers is one for the ages. um, And it's a tragedy that there aren't more films that could fit into that that pocket. Yeah. I am going to mix things up very slightly by telling you that there is one other film which I have written on the the envelope uh, in my hand, uh, which is a film which hasn't otherwise come up um, and probably uh, has has deserved to come up for some kind of award this year. And I'm a little bit surprised that neither of us is nominated for anything. Uh, It is a Belgian film that we watched quite early on in the year um, about sweet love between... uh, Two schoolboys film called Close, mm-hmm. uh, which moved me a great deal. I think it's a very skillfully made, uh, beautiful film. It's shocking. It's tragic. It's 
authentic. It's beautifully made. Uh, and it also has the advantage that it makes Belgium look like an absolutely fantastic place Ooh, to live. Yeah. Um, so for sheer uh, sofa tourism, mm-hmm. um, Close deserves an honourable mention. And I think I would feel bad if Close didn't get a shout out at some point yeah. during the um, during the, uh, the the film of the year uh, noms. But for that said... Uh, maybe we still will be watching close in 20 years time but i think um uh, the holdovers will be you know on the shelf the holdovers is one of those films where someone might buy me the script for christmas you know the holdovers yeah. is one of those films that um has earned its place in the pantheon i think just i, I mean i agree with you close was a fantastic film i'm trying to remember did we pair that with boys don't cry possibly we did that's right yes okay um that was a great week of uh, podcasting right there. Um, I, th- I thought it was great. And, uh, you know, the only the only reason I've, I think I've, I suggested that because I'd seen it at the museum here. I mean, I don't know if you'd even heard of it. It just had such a low no. profile. So it does deserve a huge shout out and at the very least a proper honorable mention. Most of my mentions today have been dishonorable mentions. So <laughs> that actually does carry some some weight. That actually means something today on the podcast is that it is a, a film – very worthy of uh, of best film of the year. Um, I think you, what you said about the holdovers just being in our wheelhouse on this podcast. I think it has to be the holdovers. But please, everybody, just try and find close somewhere because it is such a good film. It's really well made, and every it's like every moment in that film means something. There's nothing really wasted. It's a lovely film. So, uh, to real cinema club film of the year, the holdovers. Uh, you heard it here first. It's gonna, it's gonna score at the Oscars, isn't it? I, it should. It absolutely should. So we've given it two awards, and we nearly gave it a third. We gave it scene of the year, came very close to being our best script and film of the year. So obviously, this film was good. It was a great way to close out our season of, and our year of films for sure. <laughs> going to recap the winners this year uh, just uh, just so that they know exactly where to come to collect their awards best film not released this year Once Upon a Time in the West Sergio Leone I've got to see the rest of his films yeah. scene of the year uh, The Baby Shoes and The Holdovers um, yeah, I can't argue with that actor of the year Sydney Sweeney in reality well who saw that coming but yeah. good for her looking forward to seeing her appear in more films over the next few years clunker of the year well we didn't have to argue very hard over this. It's Oppenheimer. Sorry. Um, best script of the year. Surprise, surprise. Blackberry, a mini miracle. Uh, if ever I was associated with a film that was a mini miracle, I would feel pretty proud. Yeah. I think the people who made Blackberry should feel proud. Very proud. Uh, best hat of the year. How could it not be Napoleon? Yeah. I can't believe that I, I suggested the killer would uh, take that that uh, gong. No, it's it's Napoleon. If ever there were a film based on a hat, yeah. it's that one. Well, Film of the year, Alexander Payne returns to form. Uh, the holdovers, fantastic to see Paul Giamatti back on screen. Yeah. Always got time for him. Yep. Uh, Dominic Sessa is going to be a, a, a one to watch. Um, let's see what happens to them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, thanks to everybody uh, for joining us for the year, uh, for joining us for this episode. Uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Uh, We will see you in 2024. Or I hope another, it's going to be 23, 24, 25 new films, 23, 24, 25 old films. And we will figure out 
which is the best. Yes. Uh, from the Tuvial Cinema Club, uh, Happy New Year, and we'll see you next year. How's that? Is that all right? Great. I love the award show. I, I, love, I feel like I'm sure we can't do it like four times a year. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> <that>? <laughs>